Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. You ready? Indeed. Welcome to episode 14 of Love Cars on the Grid, where this week we announced the winner of the Caterham competition. And with no major events around the UK, we go in search of British success from around the world of motorsport, starting, of course, with the French Grand Prix and another <laughs> defeat for Lewis Hamilton. It wasn't a success for British people around the world, that one. But before we go back to that Grand Prix, I mean, this is this idea at the moment we look all around the world. I'd love you lot to come to YouTube where you can make comments and listen wherever you want to the podcast. You know, do you want us to keep on searching the world for British successes? I enjoy doing that and I'd like to highlight, uh, as we'll find in this next half hour or so, you know, what the Brits are doing around the world. But um, no, Lewis, yeah, Lewis, oh dear, and Mercedes bit falling apart. Was I it Lewis or was it Mercedes? Yeah. Are they like cracking Mercedes, up under I the pressure? Yeah, I, I think they're cracking up. You know, we had this switch in Baku. I still cannot believe that there's a switch so easily nudgeable on a steering wheel that disconnects pretty much your rear brakes. I can't believe it. It's there, you know. I mean, it should be something that's lockable, not accidentally hittable, because it's a very dangerous thing to suddenly lose your rear brake. See, that was the first Mercedes chink. And then, you know, they gave Boss, they swapped chassis before the French Grand Prix. What is that all about? I mean, I know, you know, Bottas has got this real, real mentality at the moment that came through later on in the race as well. And, you know, he's always saying, this is my year and I'm going to do it. And I've got psycho help and I'm being had a lot, oh, you know. So, but why swap chassis was really weird, which looked like, you know, Bottas earlier on in the testing, the free practice was proving that Lewis's car was faster, you know. So when it came to the crunch, Lewis, once again, get back in your box, Valtteri, you know. <laughs> but then, yeah, in the middle of the race, Valtteri shouted, oh, you, I told you we got the strategy wrong, we should have two stopped. And He was angry, it looks very like, angry. Yeah, I know. But actually, in the race, he stayed with the Verstappen-Hamilton battle for longer than he has done in the past. He really seemed to be making a huge effort. Before in doing so, he burnt his tyres more than Lewis had burnt his, and so he, he fell back even more. But... No, I think, you know, the, the, the funniest thing at the moment that makes me laugh the most, we've got Lewis at the end of the race, all calm and happy. Well, yes, they've got the better car. You know, they're faster in a straight line. And this, was, of course, was Red Bull's thing for years, the last four or five years. You know, Horner was always in the pit wall saying, Data <laughs> says, we're losing two seconds in the straight lines, you know. But, you know, and he had the extra rake, which has more drag. Now Lewis is doing exactly the same, implying that, you know, we're faster in the corners, but we're losing in a straight line. And, once that starts going back to the debrief room, so you're putting pressure on Mercedes to get more power or the chassis engineers to get less drag. Um, yeah, that debrief after the race, I think for the strategy department of Mercedes would have been a pretty nasty place to be. But Lewis put up a great fight. But also Mercedes, you've got old Nico Rosberg. He loves getting it in a bit of a twist, doesn't he? And quoting, you know, oh, it's a bit just, you know, Lewis didn't really defend very well. But I don't know what Nico knows about that. He was never the greatest defender himself. Um, well, I have to say, I was surprised Lewis didn't at least go down the left-hand side of the dreaded DRS straight, yeah, you know, I'm at least. you said that, because even when um, 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 Max caught up Valtteri, we are expecting yeah. Valtteri to hold him up a little bit, thinking, OK, yeah. here we go. Valtteri can hold him up for maybe half a lap and uh, cost him a second. <laughs> and he went straight past him. Valtteri made a mistake, went straight past him. But exactly yeah. the same happened with Lewis. A lap and a half to go. Everybody yeah. 
now on the edge of their seats thinking, we've got a proper race. Can Lewis yeah, hold on yeah. to the end? And it was the first attempt, the first pass. It was as simple as that. It was so dull Lewis, got there. Lewis said afterwards, well, if he didn't get me there, he would have got me on the next lap. Wow. Well, 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 well. Remember going back to Bahrain when he yeah. overtook and went off the road, you know, and then his tyres fell apart. So, you know, it looked like Verstappen was going to easily overtake Max um, Lewis in, in Bahrain. But in the end, it all went pear-shaped for Max. And Lewis won. So, yeah, really, really weird mentality to assume... Uh, he's going to overtake. On the other end of the spectrum with the Caterham racing, because you change the lead so many times, uh, and I said, oh, should I yield the lead so I can, you know, we can swap it? Yeah. I said, no, always defend your lead, even if you're, you're slower. <laughs> always, always defend the lead, which I'm surprised they didn't a little bit more. But, but anyway, uh, it's another pretty success. Lando, he was miles behind. Yeah, yeah. Again, he's still doing yeah. the best of the best of the rest of the rest yeah. of the Field. We have fantastic battling going on with McLaren and Alpha Tories and now Alpine are up there and Ferrari dropping backwards terribly uh, with tyre wear. Um, so it's fantastic racing that we saw not enough of maybe because up front was actually very interesting. But, you know, they, they, Lando was over a minute, you know, behind uh, Verstappen. It's such a shame that the rest of this great pack, the best of the rest pack, Class B, which now includes Ferrari, which you know, used to be up from, are so far off the pace. And uh, it just shows how you know, high tech and the extra money that Mercedes and Red Bull spend um, is, it shows the difference. But it's just you just feel if they were just 20 seconds behind or 10 seconds behind, you know, over a minute. But they, but they were great battling. Gasly and Lando had a bit of a clash at the corner and joked about it afterwards. And it was, yeah, it was good. It was good racing everywhere. Before we round the circuit, it still makes my flipping head go crazy. My eyesight's been a bit pear-shaped halfway through, but it's such a shame it's all painted like that. But but again, the racing still was all down to DRS. You know, we still mustn't forget the fact that you know it's down to the, the overtakes were pretty much all DRS induced here and there. Yeah, no, Paris, good stuff. Perez did okay. He got the fastest pit stop as well, two point zero four seconds. In case anyone's interested, Tiff certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's normally he, he, was, he was still half a second off Verstappen in qualifying. Yeah, which you know with Gasly and Albon, half a second off Max in qualifying put Albon and Gasly in sixth or seventh. You know, so because there's such a buffer now between Red Bull. Um, Mercedes and the rest of the field and he can be half a second off of Max and still be fourth on the grid so you know he's still got to, he's still got to sharpen up his qualifying yeah for but sure yeah it was a good it, weekend of racing yeah the normal snooze fest of Paul Ricard was actually yeah. relatively exciting it was it yeah, was a, yeah. my favourite race but there was a, a lot of huh? lead changes and it could have gone yeah. which, which is good and of course the strategy went to Red Bull, who seem very cool, calm and collective, particularly when they win. They're not so cool and calm and collective when they don't win <laughs> or they get it wrong, but they were they were very cool and calm. So well done to Max and well done to Red Bull. Um, where we go next? F3, which was at Paul Ricard. Formula well. 3, yeah. This weekend it was to turn the F3 to support. Um, and a good win for Jack Doohan, this 18-year-old son of Mick Doohan, the five times world MotoGP or Moto 500cc, what it was then, uh, champion. So great for Jack. He was racing in Britain in Formula 4. He showed a lot of promise. He's a Red Bull boy. He's got the money. Um, so that was great. He won the feature race. Of course, there were those two multi-thrown-upside-down sprint races on, on the Saturday that won by Arthur Leclerc, of course, the, the brother of Charles Leclerc. So another Leclerc had a sprint race, reverse grid win, as did Alexander Schmolia, the Russian but Brits, Brits, not we haven't really got any starring Brits in form. The best was Johnny Egg, yeah. yeah. 
back in 14th spot in the main race. And that was our best finisher. So um, no joy for the Brits in Formula 3. I like Formula 3. I, mean, I didn't. I, I watched the highlights only, but I, I, I think that's... Um, that can be exciting sometimes. I yeah. Like, I like it. I like it. It's a, a bit different. Stuff. Jonathan Hoggard, a British driver. He won the 2019, the last, because we missed one last year, Autosport Young Driver Award, Jonathan Hoggard. Uh, really, really good views from the judges, but he can't get a drive. You know, and, he, and he stepped in last minute to Paul Ricard. He, he finished 18th, I think, in the out of, what, 30... 30-odd cars, isn't it? 32-6, I can't remember. I mean, there are a lot of them. <laughs> so nice to see Hoggard have a race, but he still needs some money to get, him, get his talent up in a better car. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. So from four wheels to two wheels, we, we like the MotoGP, don't we? It seems yeah, to be, yeah, well, we seem to talk about that quite a lot because they seem to be... Well, it's a lovely warm-up, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's on the it's on the, in the mornings, <laughs> which is really good. You have the Moto3, Moto2, MotoGP, then the Formula 1. So it's, it's quite, it's good wake-up, watching Moto3 kids at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but the big story of the weekend, of course, is Mark Marquez winning and Susie of tears again because, you know, Mark's, <laughs> everyone loves Mark and he had this awful injury. I think it's over a year and a half ago now, I think, when he did this shoulder and he's you know, missed most of last year. He kept trying to come back too soon. And even this year, the right shoulder uh, is still weak. But the good thing for him with the Sashkin ring in Germany is mainly left hand. It's like this bull ring of a track, diving downhill, uphill, of great racing circuit. Uh, where he'd won the previous 10 years. He's never been beaten then. All the different Moto3s or 125s, whatever he did. Amazing record. And... Uh, he came through and he just pulled away. It was actually quite a dull Moto GP race. But everybody wants to mark Marquez to win again. The Honda's not the quickest bike this year, so it was a fantastic result for Honda and Mark. I love this tweet. It was. Uh, it, it said, um, at the age of 28 and 123 days, Mark Marquez became the oldest rider to win the, in the Moto GP class since Daniel uh, Petrucci in Le Mans in, uh, last year. Now, that's very misleading because you read that, you think, wow, he's the, he's the <laughs> oldest ever winner at 28. But, of course, it's only since last year because you haven't got uh, Rossi or any of those boys that have won. Well, yeah. Oh, Rossi. Don't, make, don't mention poor old Rossi. But, 20, but 28 is, is deemed old in, in that. No <laughs> way. It's funny, isn't it? That's like a mere youngster to us. I think Giacomo Agostini was about 40, I think, before he <laughs> stopped winning Grand Prix. Um <laughs> But elsewhere, Moto2, uh, the, Brit, the Brits, nobody MotoGP. Sam Lowe's battle to a fifth place from, uh, what, seventh on the grid, I think he was. Um, but Aussie Remy Gardner, another son of a former world motorbike champion, Wayne Gardner's boy, Remy Gardner, won again in the Moto2, and he's pulling out quite a lead at the top of the championship. Now, so that's another great story from Dan Under, mate. Well, can I do that? <laughs> I'm not allowed to, maybe. A Moto3, our only man, um, John McPhee, qualified about fourth, I think, qualified well, but he got shuffled out and they all fell down in front of him and he ended up 11th. But, of course, returning to the winning circle go. was... Yeah. was Acosta. Our kid, yeah. Pedro Acosta, another stunning ride by so him. So how many I mean, wins has he had now? He, he must be four wins, is it, or five? Yeah, he, he's won half the races now. Yeah, four out of eight. Brilliant. And it was an amazing battle. Yet again. It's just these close... Again, when he's leading or he's able to hold... He's able to break down the inside and hold the corner without running wide. Because motorbikes are very, very much uh, vulnerable to this... Um, cut back, you know, because you break deep, you run wider than the guy who's second cuts inside you. But he's able to break deep, hold it on the inside. Fantastic. They've had a bit of a shake-up in Moto3. 
uh, Susan was saying they had a big debate before the programme yesterday because they are getting a bit scared about, you know, Danny Mugello, they're coming, you know, 10 wide down the straight at 200 <laughs> miles an hour, these eight 16-year-olds. And they had that big fast bit bust over the little back door before the last corner to try and not be leading. Um, they're trying to work out what to do. And uh, they're trying to be very strict with any moves that puts another rider. Because they were, they were, Dan and Mugello, they showed that they were weaving, just banging into the next guy, shoulder to shoulder, then bouncing off the other guy, you know, these children. Exactly, you've got nowhere to go. You've got to go to the next guy. Yeah. Or, or yeah. In fact, Darren Binder scary. got given a drive-through because he qualified. Binder came out of the pit lane, <laughs> crossed diagonally straight across the road, first corner's a right hand, dived up inside someone that was already on their lap and then clattered into them out of the pit lane. I mean, even we know in England, one of the big things when you leave a pit lane, you stay on the, that side Absolutely. of the road until you know it's clear. But fundamental, yeah, the, the motor, fundamental really, they need to calm it? them down. They're a bit worried about the Moto3 children at the moment, but uh, we love the racing they produce. Well, yeah, even it's a bit young, young people, children, I wouldn't say. <laughs> PC on this channel, you know, but uh, yeah, but a bit, bit, bit <laughs> about the young men and women and people that, uh, that race. Boys and girls. Exactly. So moving on, <laughs> we're going to GT3 in Zandervoort. Um, have you raced there before? Yeah. Have you raced there? No, I've never raced on the new Zandvoort. I've, I've won in a Porsche 944 Turbo there when I last raced there on the old magnificent circuit. I, I had some great Formula Ford races there. A huge slipstreaming battle, magnificent the old circuit was. Now it's chopped in half and it's a bit of a horrible go-kart track, as, as we'll see when Formula One cars go to race there later this year. Well, it was funny um, with the GT3s, they look too big for it. And they're, they're know, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I guess they're the same sort of yeah. uh, size as the, the Formula One cars, but they look big for yeah. it. And it was really weird. Yeah. You expect a, a quality track like that to be beautifully manicured and stuff, but all the grass was, it was like, it was like, oh, uh, we need it there next week. It was all the grass. <laughs> Was hanging off and uh, in sand dunes, it's sand dunes, it's Zandvoort. <laughs> it's a love, a great place to visit. A holiday resort, it's a fun weekend if you go to Zandvoort to watch or even drive and have a drink on the Sunday night. But yeah, that was the World GT Europe series. I was confused, they got terrible titles now. Used to be the Blanc Pan, <laughs> uh, two great races. You know, it's the shared driver, what GT3 was made for. You know, and there were wins from what, um. It was Mercedes and Lamborghini. I forget who won there now. Yeah, Mercedes and Lamborghini. I thought had a win there. Uh, but down at Monza, we had the birth, the rebirth of DTM, who've now taken over the GT3 uh, regulations. They've got their own balance of power, which they didn't seem to get right very well because in the first race, the Mercedes were first to fit on the grid. Um, but DTM is it's a funny formula. I used to love it twenty years ago why, when the cars looked makes, like the cars. Why? Does it, well, why first of all. Well, the first one, I lost interest when it became more and more high-tech and more and more scientific. You. It's all about you, isn't it? What I know, that? from a bit. When, yeah, but other people, give us your comments. <laughs> but, of course, it out it outpriced itself. It died a death because it became too expensive with all this, you know. But also with DTM, they've got this obsession with your income. You can change your tires. You have to change your tires once. And you can do it at the end of the first or second lap. Yeah. So you often have these races where half the grid <laughs> peel into the pits on lap two. And then, of course, you don't really know where people are relative. Unless you're a real enthusiast with a stopwatch, you have to wait because some people won't pit until the last 10 minutes. So you've no idea who's really leading the race until the last sort of five laps. So that annoys me. Um, but, yeah, I just never really got into DTM. Now they've gone GT3. And, you know, again, they've got their own balance of power, which they seem to get a bit wrong and had to change around. But, again, they've got these early pit stops going on and... 
It's a funny thing. I don't know. I just can't get hooked into DTM. But um, and I Alexander they used to send their Red Bull Peugeots over to Japan. This was the big thing to get a super formula. So if you weren't the Grand, if you're next to be a Grand Prix driver for Red Bull, they raced in Japan in a single seater formula. But that they can't do now because of the quarantining. So they put Liam Lawson and um, Albon into these Ferrari 488s for the GT3 uh, DTM series. And I don't think Albon likes GT3. He's dreaming of getting back into Formula but he qualified like 14th or something in the first race. Um, and he actually qualified two places behind someone who we really must give a good mention to. That's Esme Hawkey. Yeah, brilliant. Esme did Porsche racing in Britain. And then she's a W Series girl, you know, war woman, girl or woman. Um, of course, W Series is fantastic at attracting more girls in go-kart race. That's the whole idea of W Series. You're not going to make a Grand Prix driver over two seasons, uh, but you're gonna hopefully going to get more girls into racing. But eventually, they've got to come out and race against the boys or the men. And Esme's done that. She's a Lamborghini, and she qualified 12th ahead of Albon, uh, but she's only 0.4 seconds off the fast Lam fastest Lamborghini. So she's in with the men and, and competing, which that's what I love to see. They've got to come out in the end and prove their worth. She's a fantastic. She dropped back in the race. She was one of the cars where the team got her in on lap three uh, to change her tyres. And then she's at the back, and you know, I did at the end, but um, she did drop back at the end. But she ended up having a battle with Sophia Flush. The German girl who's the flying girl from Macau in her Formula Three car. Uh, so there was a battle of the ladies towards the back of the grid, which they came out one one win each. So big up for Esme, get in there, big sort up. your lamp. Yeah, big big respect. Out. And of course, um, W Series. Nothing. What? Nothing more interesting than a satellite delay on a on a call. After <laughs> you, my uh, my <laughs> learned colleague Tiff. <laughs> I'll just say Albert, well, Albert's end was because Liam Lawson, the other Red Bull Alpha Tour, he won the first race. Uh, so Liam rather outshone Alistair, uh, Alexander Albon. It's not a good weekend for Albon fans, but I'm sure he'll come back. He finished seventh in the second race. Um, so yeah, good stuff. But uh, yeah, WC is back at, uh, in Austria this coming weekend, which we'll mention at the end of the show. So uh, uh, DTM also, still also not in for Italy me. though there was uh, that new formula with our very own Ollie Webb. He was there in Italy. Indeed, the pure ETC. Uh, I've looked at it on the internet. It wasn't on telly, but I tracked it down. And, oh, excuse me. I mean, it's yet another amazing, expensive car. It's only Alfa Romeo, Hyundai, and <coughs> sorry, I'm coughing now. <laughs> what was the third manufacturer? I've got it on my list. I've forgotten it already that quickly. I know there were um, only six cars and 12 drivers with three lap battles. Was that right? Three mates. That... Alfa Romeo, yeah. But, and they've got these starting gates like a horse race. They go out. They've got gimmicks and gimmicks. And they have they have races on a half the circuit. Vallelunga's got two tracks. the short tracks and three cars and three laps. And they have races at full power, which is 680 horsepower. But I don't think they can do a whole race. They have qualifying laps. They got like, like 12 heats. And I thought, oh, flipping now they're trying too hard and it, it looked pretty dull. And you know, it, well, basically it was they're almost copying rallycross, you know, short start, you yeah. know, four cars abreast into the first corner. Um, well, rallycross is brilliant because the cars are loose and wild, but these weren't loose or wild, and they sort of understood round and went very quickly and and still, there was no visual excitement. We'll get Ollie on next week, maybe, to defend. He's obviously, you know. But, you know, there's six cars shared by 12 drivers, so two cars of each model. Yeah, I'm not right. so sure about I'll, that. 
Ollie, Ollie Webb next week uh, to tell us about uh, pure ETC and whatever other racing he's got coming up. So ETCR. Don't forget e the R. Is it's it an R? Right? So, so, so many ETs and TCs and TCs and touring cars. Yes, ETCR. <laughs> what else was happening? The um. Uh, well, yeah, more electric action. Yeah, electric action because yeah, that we went from Vallelonga in Italy over course to Mexico, where the, the former E boys were out. Not at the Mexico City track, which they've used quite successfully. Big stadium, you know, big crowd from Mexico City. But that's apparently a temporary hospital area now for COVID. So they were down at this little track. Uh, what was it called? Huh? Puebla Circuit. Puebla. A sort of club racing circuit. They had world, they had world touring cars for a couple of years, but then they chopped it up, made more corners as Formula E's tend to do. But you know, I'm I'm trying with Formula E. I look at every race, and I think, please, Formula E lovers, I'd love to have someone that really likes Formula E to come on and answer my criticisms of it. Because first of all, the rules are so mind-bending. The stewards seem to make penalties every race, every day. And of course, the winner of the first race of the Porsche. They were, all, they were all disqualified, some of the Nissans, because they didn't declare their tyres. Well, surely if, if a team hasn't declared their tyres, I don't know why, they're all the same flipping tyres, surely the, the official should go to the team 10 minutes before the race. There should be like, declare before 10 minutes. If I was running the formula, you, know, you have up until 10 minutes before the race to declare your tyres. If a team hasn't done that, you go to the team and say, look, declare your tyres, please. We'll fine you £1,000 for being late. But don't have a whole race. Yeah. And then disqualify the winner on the road because he hasn't. But, but why anyway. not do it like they do in in IndyCar or, or in Formula One, where where you have the tire color and you know what tires they are, and you know, or, or, or do you yeah. actually declare, declare whether they're old tires, new tires? I don't. Yeah, know. I think they probably they probably got a, a limited number of tires per weekend. I don't know. It's probably you know twenty tires. Well, you're right. Though, and so they've got common, to declare common sense. And then the time attack. This is the other thing that really does in my head. Not the attack mode. So they have to go off. And almost every track, <laughs> you use the attack mode and gaining the attack mode, you lose two places. Then you use the extra power to gain back two places. So normally they all shuffle back where they started from. And in fact, whenever there's a pace car, the drivers who don't want this flipping attack mode anyway, they'll usually go off and grab the attack mode, which they have to take twice a race to get rid of it, you know, during the pace car sections. And in Pueblo, even worse, they had a sort of extra loop to get it. And then they rejoined on the racing line as cars came out of the hairpin. And poor old Sam Burb was one of a couple that, you know, came out and just got smeared into the wall by Alex Lynn, ironically, the other British drivers. They've had some clashes before because there was a blind spot, you know, for both of them coming back out of the tracks, the attack mode. And then again, a qualified system. Now, I'm not having a go at Formula E. I'm just trying to help Formula E because there is some element of good racing going on in there. But even the manufacturers now, the, the Jaguar guy was getting peed off because they have this qualifying system where the top six in the championship go first. And because there's four groups, the track evolves and the last group of the bottom scores in the championship tend to get on the front of the grid. And so the Jaguar had such a good start to the season to the top of the championship. But now the last three or four races, they go to Mexico. They've spent the most money out there on the best drivers they can get. They spent a fortune developing their cars. They've got a huge PR going to Mexico, look at the Jaguars. But they qualify 19th and 20th because they're in the first grid. And they can't get through the field. Nobody can. So you, you gradually drop down in the championship and then you get further up. Then you qualify well. But to run a PR campaign globally for your manufacturer, you can't go to three or four countries and be in the back of the grid 
um, when you've been sort of winning in Monaco and other places, you know, I swear, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, so I got to say, I don't know. I think just just go to the straight racing for a while. Just have a straight race, the fan boost for one driver. Drop these gimmicks. Yeah. Formally, they're, they're all trying to gimmicks. Focus on the racing. Uh, yeah, make qualifying racing. all out together. Get normal qualifying. They don't want to look like normal racing. They want. They think they need these gimmicks. When um, oh, I don't think it was. I don't know who it was. One of the drivers as well. Just I don't know this. I'm guessing was frustrated that they couldn't challenge. They're like about tenth place, and they said, "Keep going to the beeps." And I think I've half heard this in the conversation before. The literally the drivers got a beep. So when they have to lift and coast, I think they have a beep in their helmet when they have to lift. So they're being driven by a computer program wow. to make the energy last. And I'd like to know about this really for Marie people. I should look it up myself and try and find out. But it would appear from what the team manager told the driver, that you can't go faster, stick to the plan, listen to the beeps. So I do think they drive on a computer program beep in your ear. So if you know that, please uh, comment below. Comment on YouTube. <laughs> head over, if you're listening to this on a podcast, head over to YouTube and leave some comments there. So Tiff, I think... Have we left the best to last? Because IndyCar... Oh, of course we have. IndyCar. Road America. Road America. <laughs> I know it's not high tech. I know they've all got the same cars, but boy, the drives. The number of times you're on board, coming out of a corner, you see the opposite lot, you hear the revs go up as the wheels spin, the driver. Some of the saves we saw from um, all of the drivers, you know, Grosjean's in there. Backing away, you know, he had um, Kevin Magnuson joined him, his ex has teammates. He was standing in for um, the, the injured driver from last weekend, um, Rosenquist. Uh, and he only qualified at the back, but he actually led for a while because he was running around at the back when, of course, the strategy and there was a, a yellow flow, full course caution, all of it. It was good time to come in for proper drivers, but this left K Mag out. So he led for about five or six laps and battled to be overtaken by the real leaders. Um, but then he had a, an engine failure or a gearbox failure. But there was just so much over Road American. I've never raced on it. Just it's brilliant. I mean, it's just a thin strip of tarmac with green grass and then concrete walls <laughs> on, on a lot of places. And just this amount of over every restart after a caution series, they were banging wheels, going side by side around corners. And I'm sorry, it's not high tech. It's still why incredibly are you sorry about well engineered. Why are you well, sorry about Formula that? One, you shouldn't Formula be sorry one. about that. Well, I know. I'm, I'm it's for racing you. drivers. Racing for racing drivers. I don't want to keep harping um, on about this Caterham stuff, but I think uh, it's some of the most interesting, yeah. <laughs> entertaining racing you could possibly get. And it's as low tech. Like, Should I tell IndyCar? Maybe IndyCar need a new logo, do they? You know, IndyCar, the racing for grown up Caterham racers or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think that works. And I have to be. Joseph Newgarten, though, dominated the race as he had did in Detroit. In Detroit, he was done by Pascal when his toe, who was on the wrong tyres. This time, he had a mechanical fault and dropped back. But um, Alex Palou, this sensational Spanish kid, yep. you know, I watched him in a qualifying lap. I don't know if you can still see it on the internet, but he goes to the carousel, this amazing, I don't know, 20-second corner. Um, and you could hear, he's got a bit of understeer, and you could hear the throttle coming in, and then the opposite lock goes on because he's, he's got the rear out. Then he goes a bit of understeer, you can hear him playing with the throttle, driving the car through the corner on the throttle with the opposite lock, the, the adjustments, you know, just, 
you don't even see a Grand Prix driver ever do that. Yeah. And the slides they have, they can get a big opposite lock on. And these Formula One cars with their weird era, aero, they seem to get sideways and they spit off in a tank slapper, don't they? But uh, anyway, <laughs> Max Jack Chilton. Harvey, British driver. Yeah, Chilton yeah. finished 10th. Yeah. Max Chilton, but our leading British driver at the Jack Harvey qualifier. He was running second early on. Faded off he faded bit. bad. Yeah. They left him out when everyone else pitted. He tried to go long on a set of tyres and that didn't work. But yeah, I just it was just the best racing. I watched the whole thing. I didn't fast forward through that race oh, at brilliant. all because you know it was and just what about, on it. And what about moving up to the other American uh, where your man oh, did it NASCAR. again? NASCAR. Oh, did you, did you make, yes, wonder who won the NASCAR race. <laughs> Number five. Oh, I, I, we, the Needles are feeling a bit embarrassed now because we're worried that NASCAR is going to get nobody watching anymore now because this this <laughs> kid is just Kyle Larson. I mean, just nobody can touch him at the moment. And he's a stunning, stunningly talented driver and, uh, you know, great stuff. But was still some great racing going on, the Nashville race. And he won his guitar at the end, last one, instead of a trophy, you get a guitar in Nashville. Very but still some plenty, plenty of good races, still entertaining, but Kyle just dominated. Good. Um, and so it's time, Tiff, we need a drum roll. It's time for to announce the winner of the Caterham competition, the, the caption uh, competition where I was forced off the road, off the track, onto the grass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a racer. You're a racing bro, yeah. The winner wins a Caterham for the weekend. So Caterham are giving a Caterham for the weekend. Lunch, then you're going You're to out of sync. Calm down. Calm down your vote. You've caught up. Just do that once again. Is your lip sync going? I need to relax. I'm excited about the competition winner. So That's good. You're back in sync. The winner of the Caterham competition wins a Caterham for the weekend, courtesy of Caterham Cars. Uh, and they drive to Bedford, so they pick that up on the Friday, drive to Bedford on the Monday, come and meet me for lunch. Oh, that's so exciting. And then... Wow, that if is the you, cream of the prize. If you dare, you can actually come out for some laps with me uh, driving the Love Cars car. So if you dare, after after my recent crash <laughs> but, uh, it's a, but it's a brilliant competition and your comments have been amazing I wish I was humorous like lots of our followers there's lots of comments about the grass cutting cutting corners lots about Jeremy Clarkson's farm which was very tempting. I like that link as well there's a lovely comment from a lady called Stella who said if she won she would donate it to a local children's hospice but the winning quote as judged by Tiff and myself was um, it was this was the winning quote it was this moment Paul realised promoting on the road, on the car, was probably not the best idea because I was very a long way from the road. And that was from uh, ben, uh, ben Straffen. So, Ben Straffen, congratulations from us. Uh, and I uh, hope you enjoy your Caterham experience on the weekend. Um, and I look forward to meeting you as well. So, it should be, it should be a bit of fun. Wonderful prize, that is. That, that little car will put a smile on his face all weekend, just driving around Logie's local roads, apart from going and being scared by you at Lotus, but yeah. <laughs> Great. So next week, um, it's Grand Prix again. Austria, Syrian Grand Prix. What else is going yeah, on next week? Part, part one of Austria, because they're doing the double header in Austria. They're calling the first one the Syrian Grand Prix. Uh, and that's when the W Series is one of the support events. I don't know which days they're racing on. I haven't seen the timetable yet. Come on, uh, Vicky World Rally Championship. Yeah, come on, Vicky. I lovely love cars, Vicky. And of course, all the other ladies, but come on, Vicky. Um, World Rally Champ, the Safari Rally is back after 19 years of wow. being away. That's in Kenya, uh, the right? World... 
yeah, it's not going to be the same, you know, marathon rally it used to be. It's going to be a circuit lapping, you know, modern style rally, but it's still good. Get those cars out in the, in the dust and sand of Kenya, Kenya or Kenya. Um, the MotoGP boys, they're Aston. That's a fantastic bike track. Um, always exciting. Last quarter outbreaking um, in Holland. And then the BTCC boys are back at Brands Indie circuits. We've got to see some non-stop door bashing. Get down, get your car parked up on South Bank, get your picnic out with the kids. It's a wonderful place that IndyCar's track to, to watch racing up at Paddock Hill Bend or Exit of Clearway. So many great places to watch. Walk around the whole track during the day because you've got the Formula 4s out, the Porsches, the, the um, Caterhams, not the Caterhams, the Janettas. Yeah, the little juniors, juniors all banging doors. So fantastic weekend of racing at Brands Hatch if you fancy heading down there. Otherwise, watch it all on the telly. Great TV coverage. So uh, good. So I hope some of you got to the end of this podcast. And we'll now let, let us know. Yeah, we do this round the world trip. Do you want us to just debate one subject for a whole day and just give results? Or do you like what we're doing? Yeah, comments comments below. And Ben, Ben Strathlin, if you, um, I'm not how, sure how you're going to get in touch with you, probably drop us an email. Our contact details will be on YouTube somewhere. So uh, drop us an email. Um, and thanks to all of you for uh, the humour over the last few weeks of the, the various comments on the KTM competition. See you, see you all next week. See you. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.